Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Hi, my name is Gina Aragon, the associate producer of the Romantic Truth Podcast. I known Jowson since March of 1984. Back then, he was madly in love with my friend Monica Gioproletti. That's when he told her to think before she loved. And this is the show's motto, think before you love. Fuck it, until I find a decent man, Yaosan. You are my official, unofficial boyfriend and willing to share with other women. On a serious note, my birthday was on April 19th. My stupid now ex-boyfriend decided that instead of buying me a birthday gift, he thought that breaking into someone's car to steal their laptop and tablet and then give it to me as a birthday gift was a wise thing to do. Well, as usual he was caught and now he's thinking that I should bill him out because after all he was stealing someone else's goods for my birthday. Since this is his third strike, God hoping it is a felony this time, I would never have to deal with him again. You have no idea how I want these charges to stick. They have more than enough evidence, and not only that he still had outstanding warrants, and he is right where he should be in a cozy jail cell in eastern Ohio. So this is why I will probably need for you to be my virtual boyfriend. You know how pussy go when she pee and it sound like she frying chicken? No pussy stay. Ma'am, after looking at the photo you sent, hmm, virtual my ass. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you really were blessed, physically. Folks, this lady is gorgeous. Jet black hair, gray eyes, red lipstick the way I like it. And she's around 5'8", I would say, about maybe 160, but proportioned in all the right places. Nice, wide, birthing hips. And too bad she lives in western Pennsylvania. But it happens. It happens. You notice um, a lot of times when you meet someone online or you meet someone now, they're usually in another country, in another city, and logistically it's a problem. However, a lot of people are traveling more in order to meet their loved one. I don't know, maybe one of these days it may happen for me. But so far, I'm pulling up nothing but married women here in Vegas, it seems. I don't get it. But, my dear, uh, what were you doing with a guy like that in the first place? I gotta ask that question. Because you know damn well your standards were by your ankles. Here's the thing. 
And a lot of you ladies wind up with guys that you know damn well are subpar. But there's something about the guy that attracts you to him and you will do anything for him. I get it. I've seen this happen over and over again. There's some men that are like that. Fall for a woman that's really not falling for them. And they're trying to make it work. And sometimes it becomes like a personal vendetta. I gotta get this person because I want them that badly. Doesn't necessarily mean that that person's good for you or beneficial in any kind of way. This guy's going out here trying to steal gifts. Now, hell, I can imagine what he tried to do for Christmas if he did that for your birthday. But then again, you gotta think about it. He probably wanted to get locked up again. Now, as you see, he had nothing to offer you. But you're still with him. Now, here's the sad thing about someone like you, ma'am, and I don't know you from Canapain, Tennessee. You would probably accept a guy like this because you could control pretty much the narrative with this guy. But a man that would really be defined and have his own destiny already charted out, you may find it difficult to be with him. And fellas, this is one thing I want you to realize with some women. They will date you according to the level of control they have over you. If she feels as though she can't really have that control, she may not even want to deal with you. And that, of course, comes down to a little bit of her insecurity. This is the reason why you'll see some women who may be worse off socially than other women will have this attitude. Nose up in the air. They could be a single mom of nine. But they know that there's a guy out there that's going to put them on a pedestal. They're going to avoid the guy they know they can't get or can't keep in exchange for the guy that they can keep and lord over. And some men do that with women. I told you, I had a friend of mine who would date nothing but ugly women. And he would always tell me, well, I don't have to worry about them cheating. I always know where they are. Right under me, trying to make me pay more attention to them than the more attractive women. But of course, they had a lot to do with his insecurity as a man. You see, women are attracted to men that don't wear their insecurity on their sleeves. All that alpha male and chest pounding shit. To them, that reeks of insecurity. The guy that's going to be extra masculine. They see through that smoke screen. It's just like the guy who sees through the woman as extra feminist. Nine times out of ten, that was something that triggered her to be that way. She probably was a nicer person before then, before the last relationship that ruined her. And she gave him too much power in it. And you find a lot of women trying to reassert themselves. That's the reason why they have a lot of these inspirational quotes on many of their dating apps. Because they're trying to motivate themselves to not be a victim again. But you have to look at it 
as I always tell you, the woman has the power when it comes to starting a relationship and going through it. But many women don't realize they have that power. Because as men, we're going to try to follow and accommodate. That's what we do as men. Because don't forget, we have to win you over, right? But if we see that you don't have the leadership of a woman to carry on, these men take over. That's how a lot of you women wind up with the guy that's the jerk. And some of you displace his insecurity of being in control as love. And he can mask that. Honey, you know I love you. I just want to know where you are 24-7. Oh, so you came home late because you were with that guy. You know, like the person that had written in, the lady who had written in talking about how her husband wanted to know when the cable guy was showing up. And of course he had a narrative for her. She told him when he was gonna show up. Then he accused her of cheating with the cable guy. Usually when somebody's pointing a finger at you, they don't want the finger pointed back at them because they're doing something. If a person arbitrarily accuses you of cheating, and they want to know your schedule on the timeline. They're checking the odometer in the automobile. They're checking your cell phone. They're doing all of this stuff, this, that, and the third. Nine times out of 10, they have started cheating themselves. And they want to keep an eye on you. And the way they keep an eye on you to know where you are so they can cheat is by putting you under the scrutiny of being accused of cheating. Now, if you found them out, first thing they're going to do, they're going to be the first one to beg for forgiveness, to swear up and down that they'll never do it again. That person meant nothing to me. Well, fellas, we know. That woman means a hell of a lot to you within that 30 seconds. From the minute that sperm comes out of your nut, going up the shaft to come out of the hip tip of your dick, she means a lot to you at that point to bust that nut. Now, after that's done, then everything else is up for grabs. And ladies, this is the reason why a lot of these men, the reason why they mainly cheat, a lot of it has to do with opportunity, as I've always told you. A lot of scientists and psychologists have looked at that. Because the reason being is that you got to remember, some men can't get over the fact they couldn't get that one girl. The one that got away. Now, of course, it may not be the same woman that he had wanted in high school or college, but she has the characteristics of that woman. And now he has more access to her. Maybe she's a co-worker. Maybe she's one of your friends, ladies. Maybe he, she's somebody that just moved in next door. And the way he looks at it is, oh, this will give me redemption. Then he doesn't feel like a loser. As I told you before, the study with the LA detectives clarified one thing, that over 50% of people that they surveyed, if they were asked the question, 
If you could cheat on your spouse and get away with it, would you? Over 54% said yes. If they could get away with it and the spouse didn't know, a partner didn't know. 60% of people that cheat actually cheat with someone that both of them know. Frequency of interaction is one thing that contributes to infidelity and cheating. Because you get to know the person a little bit better and you can expose them to certain parts of your characteristics and personality that you might not be able to do with your spouse or your partner. How many times have you went and gone to work and a coworker is telling you more about of their relationship and their marriage then they're even telling their own spouse things that they wouldn't tell their spouse about themselves or tell you. It happens. When you have good consideration and communication between each other, you guys can talk about anything. I remember I had this one lady I was with and she told me, I think we need to put our relationship on hold. I said, why is that? She said, because I'm starting to have feelings again for my ex. I said, oh, no, no, let's not put it on hold. Let's stop it. Are you serious? I said, yeah, let's stop it. Let's stop it. Let's kill it right here. So in that way, you don't have the guilt. And you can go on and pursue your ex. She was relieved. She went, got back with him. Had a baby by him, but it was only one problem. He had a whole lineup of other women. I heard from her about maybe nine, ten months later, close to a year later. Sobbing, mad, upset. He left me again. And I asked her one question, I said, Please tell me what changed between the time you left him and the time you got back with him. She said, well, I thought he would change because of time. I said, no, time is just a continuum that takes place. Unless you do the work within that time frame of that continuum, nothing changes. You know, we tell people all the time, well, you know, it's going to take time. No, it's going to take work in that time frame. Time ain't going to do shit. Time is going to be here after we're all dead and gone. They're going to continue to tick away. It's what you have to do in the interim period. Now, another thing. We have to also look at it from the standpoint that when you're dealing with someone in a relationship, there are going to be temptations coming their way. Men and women are going to have these things. And we have to really concern ourselves with how good are we at resisting temptation? Oh, sometimes it's very difficult. I remember times when I was with Monica and she would introduce me to some of her friends, some of her celebrity friends, some of her wealthy friends. And some of those women, it was like, damn. 
but I knew then I made a choice. I got to respect my commitment to her. It didn't help none that, like I told you before, Monica used to take my head and turn it towards the woman and say, you know you want her. She said, I want you to get a good look. She said, I want you to look at her. Look at her ass, look at her breasts, look at all of that. And what I want you to do tonight when we're in bed, I want you to think about her when you're with me. I want you to give me everything that you would put into that woman into me. That shit was intimidating on his very premise because I've never had a woman to tell me something like that before. But she was confident. But I still felt kind of bad. Out of respect. It happens. See, one of the things that's very difficult in relationships with some couples is to determine what would they consider cheating and what they wouldn't. You know, in some relationships, people consider you cheating just at the thought of someone else. Others may consider you cheating even if you're looking around the room and there happens to be a woman there and you're just blessing past her. You gotta look out for that insecurity. Now, you will find that a lot of people that made a lot of poor life choices that made them less marketable and less desirable will probably have more of an inferiority complex. A lot more insecurity. Then you get accused of things. Let me tell you, I have broken off relationships and not started relationships with women just based on that premise alone. Because as soon as I see, oh, yeah, she's fine and all, but guess what? That insecurity is sitting right at the surface. And I see that that's going to be a potential problem in our relationship. Why would I get involved with somebody who's going to accuse me of cheating when I'm not? All of my exes, they know I can't cheat. The reason why I can't cheat? One, I don't have the will to do it. The other thing is, hell, I'm not good at remembering all their names. I was to do it. I'd fuck around and call somebody the wrong name. Probably buy them the wrong gift. Just wouldn't work for me. I even tried cheating one time. Shit didn't work. It was horrible. You know you're pathetic when you go and try to cheat on your woman and tell her you cheating on and tell her who you want to cheat with. And tell her, could you help her? Could you? Could she help you cheat? That's some pitiful shit. This is the reason why a lot of my friends, male friends, didn't want me hanging around them so much. Because I'd always tell the truth. I don't want to lie to somebody's wife. Man, you just tell I was at your place. Can't do that, man. What if you're with that woman and you somewhere else and something happens to you? Your wife has the right to know. Your girlfriend has the right to know. Like the one lady years ago, cheating on her husband. Man was cheating on his wife. 
She giving them head in the car. They have a car accident. She got her neck broke. She shouldn't have been driving doing that shit. And people, please don't fucking drive at the same time. Some of you, mm. people do some dangerous shit. There was a, an article in the Guardian newspaper. I think I posted it on facebook.com backslash romantic truth. And um, the man had gone to a hotel in England and met this woman. They were rendezvousing. And they like to play very dangerous games with each other. He had a shotgun. And he was using the shotgun like his appendage, this woman. The gun went off inside of the woman. Sight of the dragon. He skipped town. Eventually caught up with him. The woman had to go through all kinds of surgery. She survived. No, folks, you don't do things like that. It's too dangerous. Love is never supposed to hurt. Not emotionally and not physically. Some of you get in relationships and you're like, oh, because he's not hitting me, I'm okay. But he's treating you like shit emotionally, making you feel bad. But see, a lot of times, women focus on the wrong things. The external shit, the lifestyle the man provides. You gotta go for the caliber and the quality of the man. The rest of that shit's gonna fall into place. If he has the caliber and the quality, he will always be able to provide for you because he has the motivation to do so. There's some women that actually think that they have to be his cat's meow. He has to be, she has to be the catch-all and end-all for him. Ladies, let me tell you something. Let him be the one to determine that. Don't you assume it and put it on him. See, as long as he feels as though you're worth it, he's going to do his personal best beyond his best for you. But a lot of you ladies listen to other women. And other women tell you how men think. And that's where you get fucked up. You know, it's just like at first when I started out as a kid on the college campuses. Listen to some of these guys. Some of the shit they said didn't make any sense to me. And I started hanging around the women and started asking them questions. And I realized, why go through a third party when I go to the source? Women, I'm telling you fellas, will tell you everything about them. If you show an interest in them and they feel comfortable with you and they can trust you, oh, they will tell you shit about them and then be embarrassed about some of the things they reveal. I met women and we started talking about things that she would later on tell me what kind of panties she wore, when her period was, what was her horniest time in the month. She'd tell me about where her career goals were, where she had fucked up in the trek towards those goals. And this wasn't stuff where I was going to just take it and throw it in her face later on. This is where she could actually have a dialogue. 
many of those married women, they used to tell you about that I'd meet in the clubs and the bars. I'd know more about their marriage than their husbands did. And they'd be embarrassed, but they had no one to talk to. They couldn't tell their girlfriends because the girlfriends would probably try to move in on them to get the man. Couldn't tell the family members because many of them would say, I told you so, I didn't like his ass in the first place. They couldn't tell many of their male friends because the guys would try to holler at them. A lot of times people will go for somebody that doesn't have a dog in the fight. And you sit there and you listen. Now, young lady, in this situation that you're facing, you know damn well you went below your standards and you dropped your boundaries completely. You know you deserve a better man than that. But you were so interested in controlling that you were willing to stoop to that level and take that kind of guy. Now, another thing, fellas, when a woman talks to you about you being such a nice guy, too nice of a guy, a couple of things that weighs into that. One, you're not the guy that she wants right now. You'll be the guy that she wants later. So if you meet her and she's telling you you're a nice guy when you're in your teens or 20s, by the time she's in her 30s or 40s, she's going to be hunting high and low for your ass because she realizes then what she was chasing didn't exist. A lot of times they're looking for perfection. I told you about in one of the other podcasts about the 12 things women are looking for in men, but they want all 12. They don't want 11. They don't want 10. They don't want 9. They don't want 5. They want all 12 of those characteristics. They want somebody with emotional intelligence. They want somebody that's smart. They want somebody that would be a good dad. They want someone who's rich, who owns property. They want someone who's a good lover. They want someone who looks good. They want someone who's spiritual. They want someone that's a good conversationalist. They want someone with a personality and sense of humor. They're looking for all of these things. They want someone who's monogamous and who's faithful. They want someone that's independent. They don't want a mama's boy. Now, they will have all of these things that they want out of a man. But many women don't feel as though they have to do a damn thing. You see, one thing that happens, fathers are notorious for blowing smoke up their daughter's ass. They will go, in some cases, treat the daughter better than they do the wife. She gets the new car, graduate from high school. She gets the promise ring from daddy. Her first rock on her finger. And the wife might not have gotten anything since her wedding bands 20, 30 years ago. Mom has a little envy there. Shit, that little heifer is being treated better than I am. So dad helps pay for her to go on a trip to Europe. When mom and dad hadn't gone anywhere within the last decade or so. 
So when you see that adversarial situation take place, when you do it a single mom and she's got that daughter who's been spoiled because daddy's given her everything, and you see that animosity between the two, a lot of it has to do with the fact that that had taken place. And mom wants to bring her back down to earth. Daughter doesn't understand it. It's not her fault. It happens. That's the security team in the background. One of the Yorkie Poodles checking the perimeter. But this is what happens. And sometimes we don't want to face that reality. As I told you before, this is the reason why people engage in lifestyles where their feelings are numb. They may go into swingers. They may go into polyandry, polyamorous, polygamy, all of these other relationships where they have to suppress those feelings, those human feelings, in order to cope. And they'll tell you, oh, everything is fine. No, I don't have any jealousy. I don't have any expectations. I don't have any animosity. I just have love. I'm just at peace. Well, the reason why many of them are at peace is because they don't have any expectations. And they can reinterpret the relationship as they so desire with their partner. As far as what is interpreted as monogamy. You know, it's funny. When I meet women here in Vegas, when I ask them about what do they consider when they ask for a commitment, they have all kinds of caveats. Well, I don't consider it cheating if you kiss another woman as long as you don't fall in love with her. Okay, well, what about sex? Oh, you know, you can fuck her, but as long as you don't fall in love with her or have a child with her, I'm okay. As long as you don't go down on her, I'm okay. As long as she doesn't go down on you, I'm okay. They have all these different rules. And it varies from person to person. Some of them, they got a zero tolerance policy. No, 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 no. I don't share. Uh Uh-uh. It's just you and me and that's it. But see, what you'll find with women who say that, they try to be every woman to a man. Ladies, let me tell you something. You will never be every woman to every man. You can be the best you you can be for him. It's up to him to regulate his interests. Just like you do the same for him. You focus on him, let him focus on you. See, what happens a lot of times in relationships, people like to take away other people's choices. So then the only avenue they have is the person they're with. And this causes more problems than you think. We'll talk more in a moment. Let's continue. And uh, for those of you who inquired about it, um, yes, we do a show every day. So there will always be a show on the podcast. Some of them I record prior. Others 
I do it on the same day of. It depends on what happens. But in any case, we try to keep it flowing. Now, here's the other thing, too, that we have to look at. Some of you guys get tripped up with your partner when it comes to questions. Women are slick. They have questions that they ask because, don't forget, scientifically it's been proven, women use their brains more efficiently than men, even though they have a smaller brain, based on just the physical nature. So a woman may ask you something, fellas, to the effect of, hypothetically, honey, if I were to die, what would you do? Would you marry again? Would you have another girlfriend? Now, she wants to see what you're going to do on the fly with that. Now, fellas, be very careful how you answer this question because women are very good with hypotheticals. They already know the answer. You know, it's like uh, under cross-examination during court proceedings. When you have that prosecutor asking the defendant a question, the prosecutor already knows the answer to the question. And the defense attorney tries to coach the person in the witness stand as best as possible to answer the question. Now, they usually prep the person to answer the question like a yes or no, very binary. But if they ask an open-ended question, like she's asked here, you got to have a pretty good answer. So what would you do with my clothes? What would you do with my things? Now, it's something most men don't want to think about. Most spouses or partners wouldn't want to think about. Honey, what are you talking about? We're not even there yet. I'm here to protect you and that's going to happen to you. And she says something like, no, no, seriously. Well, let's see. You wear a size nine dress. I'd probably want a woman that wears a size four. You're going to get your ass kicked if you answer it that way. <laughs> well, you know, I'd save the clothes for your for our daughter, if you have one. Or I'll give them to your sister. Or I'll give them to your family. So would you marry again? Or would you have another girlfriend? Uh, more than likely, yes. Why? You mean to tell me that the commitment with me would end when I die? Hmm. At that point, what she's doing is she's building up a fortress so that just in case you guys ever have a disagreement about something, guess what she can bring in there that'll be totally off subject to throw into the dispute. Well, after all, since you don't want my parents to move in, and the way I look at it, you don't really want me because you already said that if I were to die, you would uh, just get another wife and forget about me. Ooh, that would cut deep, wouldn't it? This is the reason why when you're dealing with conflict resolution, you want to stick with whatever is at hand at that time. The one thing that you need to do with your partner after you've resolved an issue between the two of you is to say, hey, 
from now on, we're going to table this. We've resolved it. Let's put it in the column of being resolved. So we should never visit this issue again because we both made an agreement. Now, for those of you who don't know how to get to that point, one of the easiest ways to resolve a conflict. First of all, don't schedule to address it when you're angry, when you're both upset with each other. Make an agreement. Say, honey, look, I tell you what. It could be Monday. You say, okay, Wednesday. What I would like to do is to sit down with you, and we're going to go and tackle this problem from top to bottom. But until then, we're not going to discuss it between the two of us. Oh no, I want to. I want to resolve this now. No, because we're both upset, and we may say something that we cannot retract later. Now, what we're going to do is this. I'm going to give you a sheet of paper. I'm going to have a sheet of paper. We're going to have two pens. We're going to first write down what the problem is, in our own interpretation of the problem. Then we're going to exchange pages to see if we're both upset with the same issue or addressing the same issue first. Now, if we're not addressing the same issue, what we're going to do is we're going to take those issues one by one. So we'll start with the first dispute, your dispute with me, and apparently. We're not gelling on the same page. So what this would mean is, you both define what the problem is. After the two of you have decided what the problem is, you switch papers again. The first thing you want to write down: how you feel about whatever is wrong. Swap papers again. Now you go for your first offer to resolve the problem. This is what I can do in order to resolve. She writes the same thing down. You swap papers again. Now they see that you've made a compromise in some regard. The next thing is for them to make. A compromise in response to what you've written. Swap papers again. You see if there's another compromise you can make to accommodate that individual. You go and you do it. You swap papers again until you get to a point where you can say, "Okay, I can agree to this." And both of you write, "I can agree to this." Swap papers again. Or signatures, and you both sign. Big read. Now, what you do is a reminder. You take both sheets of paper, get a refrigerator magnet, put it on the refrigerator. Then you both stand there with each other, and you say, "Okay, we've resolved this, right?" Every time we, it comes up, close coming up, we look at this. Then what you guys can do is have a Manila folder, staple the two pages together, put it in a Manila folder, put it away. That issue's been resolved. It's been documented. You guys agreed on the compromises and everything, and now you both must agree to hold each other to that standard that you set. The compromises and everything.
The reason why you're documenting this is so that both of you are accountable for your actions and you have a paper trail of inconsistencies or consistencies in behavior. A lot of people don't like doing that. Reason being, they want to get it all out. They want to get all the feelings out and everything, get everything off their chest. Okay, you've done that. Guess what? Problem's still not resolved, is it? You probably escalated because you brought other shit in there that had nothing to do with what you were initially arguing about. One of the main problems in relationships, believe it or not, is the factor of time and the factor of duties within that time frame. Usually it's something that someone is doing or not doing in a relationship that's causing conflict. When you address the problem, don't say you have a problem. Honey, we have a problem. For our relationship to go any further, we, not you, we have to resolve this. Make it inclusive. Throw that responsibility on your partner's shoulder just like yourself. It's going to bring you together. Look at the problem as an external threat to your relationship. We have to overcome that problem. Not I have to overcome you or you have to overcome me. By externalizing it, what you're doing now is you're diffusing the animosity between the two of you in order to come up with a comprehensive resolution. Makes it much easier that somebody's not pointing the finger at you and you both are not yelling at each other. Now, there are some people that love the thrill of drama. And you hear these idiots talk about, oh, yeah, well, me and my partner, we always argue so we can have makeup sex. Makeup sex is shorter than the dispute of the issue that you have. After you had your orgasm, you busted a nut, the problem's still there. Sitting there reading the newspaper. Y'all done yet? I'm still here, you know. So you want to hit the problem hard and work on it. Don't be ashamed of getting external help if you need it as a couple. Counselor, I always tell you to go to somebody licensed. Don't fuck around with, you know, these naysayers and these gurus. Go to someone else. Like I told you, those of you who listen to the show, you know I'm not a dating coach. I'm not a life coach. I'm just a guy who's been out there on the dating scene for 30 plus years voluntarily. So I know what's out there. And one thing that I can truly tell you is this. A lot of these people that are talking about their coaches and everything else, approach with caution. How the fuck can you be a life coach and you don't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next? You don't. Life in itself is a series of unpredictable circumstances that everyone is exposed to at different times. You may be dealing with a conflict that someone else is not dealing with. You may be dealing with an issue someone else is not dealing with. Now, another thing too, as a couple, you have to be open. Ladies, 
if you're dealing with a problem, a health problem, talk to your husband, talk to your man. Don't sit there trying to fight it alone. Don't be embarrassed. You don't ever think you're less than a woman if you're dealing with something. You know, there was a woman that um, wouldn't let her husband touch her breast. When they would have sex, she would just go pull down her panties, pull up her nightgown, and that's how they would have sex for the longest. She would never let him suck on her breast or anything. Well, it got so bad that one day she had to take off work. And she went to the hospital. And the doctor wanted her to go on and put on a gown. She wanted to give her a full examination. She was embarrassed. One of the nurse practitioners came in, was a friend of mine. And when she took off the woman's top and she took off her bra, the woman's breast had the texture of an orange. This woman had breast cancer. Stage four. And they could have saved her breast early on, but she was too embarrassed because she didn't want her husband to know because she thought he was going to leave her. She had to wind up having a double mask. By the time the husband found out what was going on with her, he was angry with her. And she couldn't understand why. Because she was so accustomed to keeping things to herself. And she thought that he was upset because she was sick. He was upset because she kept that from him where he could have helped her. Ladies, don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Get some help. Let your partner know what's going on. There's nothing to be ashamed of. If he's your man, he's with you. That's the reason why women used to get upset with me. When I say, when was the last time you had a mistake? I messed up. Mimeograph. You don't need to be in my business. Well, yes, I fuck I do. If I'm your man and you haven't had a mammogram in God knows how long, yeah, we need we need to uh, get you to a doctor to check that out. Well, you need to go check your bra. Say, oh, I have it checked every year. You shouldn't be all in women's business like that. I said, you know what? I don't want to be in a relationship and say, you shouldn't be all in the hospital like that. But it could be a boy. Some of you ladies get offended, but these men care about you. That's why they ask that. Some of you haven't had past mirrors in years. Some of you never have one. I've run across plenty of women that never have one. It's for your own health. Because see, the way men look at you is If you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of a relationship?
they want you healthy. You don't have to be the finest. Look, ladies, let me tell you something. You don't have to be the finest woman in the room. If you got this man and you got him in a relationship or you got him married to you, he's with you. That's a trust fall thing. He's with you. Had a friend of mine, his wife went on and had a double mastectomy. And for a minute there, she felt like shit. I'm walking around here with no breast. And, and he said, well, let's go to a plastic surgeon and see what they can do. And she was all negative about it at first. Until she had the surgery and got them titties. Her ego went from zero to a hundred. Got to the point she even got a nerve, enough nerve to even start cheating on it. <laughs> well, it happens. He's like, man, I think I created a Frankenstein. I said, no. I said, you know what? This is something that she had to adjust to because she came from a very dark place. So, I want you to understand one thing, ladies. No matter what, you're still a woman that's never going to change. You will always be a woman, no matter what you have or what you don't have. The thing you got to realize, when you have a good man, he's there for you. He's there with you. Don't give up on yourself. Now, fellas... Let me tell you something for you guys 40 and up. Some of you will come down with erectile dysfunction. Usually about 40% of the male population. When you get 60 and above, you will have this condition. Your circulation is not going to be as virile as it used to be. You're going to start noticing this by the way you piss. Just like ladies do. Your bladder is going to be stretched a little bit more when you're younger. Your bladder's real tight. When you piss, man, it sounds like a fire hose. As you get older, you start to slow down a bit. There will be some women that will leave you or cheat on you because you may have erectile dysfunction. There will be some that will stick with you. This is a hypothetical. You can ask the woman, so what happens to me if I get ED? And I can no longer get up unless I'm using Viagra or something. A good woman is going to tell you, baby, you know what? We're just going to make sure your prescriptions feel. You're going to make sure you're healthy in order to do it. A woman that ain't about shit is going to say, well, I'm getting me a boyfriend. Now, some of you guys may even elect to tell her to go get another man. So that she doesn't feel left out in that element of her is not neglected. You'd be surprised some of the answers you get on that. There's some women that have written into the show, they're dealing with a husband who has ED for the first time and they don't know how to handle it. She's in her 40s, one lady was in her 40s, husband was in his 60s. And she was talking about she didn't know if she could go through with it because it's at a point now where her hormones are kicking in. She's gone through menopause early and 
she's invigorated. Now this is something that's not in common with women. I'm going to tell you, as a younger man, I used to deal with women in their 30s and 40s when I was in my 20s. It's like they get an energy boost, some of them, when it comes down to sex, especially when they get to their 40s. Usually that's when a woman is peaking when it comes down to sex. And you have a lot of hormonal changes that may take place in a woman, especially during menopause and prior to it. It depends on the woman. There's some women that have the night sweats. Um, they may have, may be very impatient, irritable. It affects women in different ways. There's some don't have any problem at all. There's some that have an increased libido. So now they want to have sex more. And this becomes an issue. Because see, the thing is, with women, usually they still want a hard man as they age. A lot of these women get with these younger men, these older women, for that purpose. The problem with many of them, they fall in love with that younger man, that younger man's not going to be around all that time. Because at some point, he's going to more than likely go back to his peer group. Now, there is exceptions to the rule, but that's not the rule. If it was the rule, you would have more younger men married to older women on a very large scale. You don't have that. As I've always told older women, with a younger man, when you start looking like someone that he's related to, like his mom or his aunt or something like that, yeah. It's pretty much the ride is over. But being yourself up front, you'd be surprised how longer things will last. I'll tell you about the lady I met in Cooper Rules on Wilshire Boulevard one time. To look at her, I, hell, I thought she was a governor in a southern state. Wearing her little red business suit. Platinum blonde hair, red lips. And I just said, this woman right here, you can't tell me she's ever even talked to a Democrat before. And I went down and sat down to eat my meal. She said, did I join you? Shot the shit out of me. I'm like, I'm the furthest thing from what this woman would ever want around her in her life. If anything, I thought she'd probably clutch her purse and run away. She came over, sat down, introduced herself, we started talking. And I was totally wrong about her. Yeah, she was from the Southern State. She had the accent and everything, the draw, the Southern draw, but she was a sweet woman. We wound up dating. Odd looking couple. There I wasn't a jerry curl, there she was. But I didn't have one of the degrees when I had a dry curl. I couldn't stand that reason. I remember one time I got the bus in LA, there was his brother on there, he had jerry curling. He was a bus driver and he had a towel around his neck so it wouldn't get on his shirt. Every time he turned his head, boy, everybody had to duck. <laughs> Shit, I thought it was raining outside. That was that damn, that, what was that shit? Good Fred oil. 
Boy, you that that I'm gonna tell you that company made a lot of money back in the eighties. Got a friend of mine. He's always telling me, man, I want to drive your car. No, you ain't driving my Mercedes. Nope, 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 nope. Man, why not? Nope. Man, I felt your steering. Your steering wheel felt like it had slick 50 on it. <laughs> Shit. Try to make a left turn in his car. Your hand will slip off the steering wheel. Damn shifter in the middle of the car. Mm-mm. I mean, that thing was like liquid. But you see that. But the main thing to keep in mind is that we sometimes envision certain things about people that we don't know, and we make assessments. Yes, I had confirmation bias with that lady. I was looking at her thinking, oh, she's a racist. She probably doesn't want to be around anybody. And I had no intentions of dating her or talking to her initially. She was the one that initiated the conversation, and we went right along. We had a wonderful time together. You'll run across people like that. But here's the thing. Overall, fellas, let the woman get comfortable. Let her talk to you. Listen to her. You're not being weak. You're not being a simp. Let me just clarify something as far as symptom, so you'll know what a simp is. Simple, impotent, male, prototype. A simp is a guy that just does nothing but patronize any woman in order to sleep with her. He's going to side with her and not believe a damn thing she says. The only thing he's after is one thing, and that's to sleep with that woman. And he's only going to do it for that purpose. She may think that it's flattering. She may think that, oh, he's in her corner. He's going to try to make every other man around her look bad. And even if she's illogical, he's going to try to make her logical around the other guys by making them look like shit. In other words, he's the amen chorus. He's nothing more than a beta male for an alpha female. A yes man. Now all hell breaks loose when she sleeps with him and he's irresponsible. That's where the downside comes in. Like for instance with me, I don't call a woman a queen. I don't give a fuck who she is. The only people I ever called a queen in my life have been Queen Elizabeth, Queen Latifah, and Aretha Franklin, Queen of Soul. That was it. And in all three of those categories, guess what? Other people called them that. They didn't call themselves that. That's the difference. They didn't get themselves the self-appropriated titles. Some of you have written in, what is a Jocelyn? That's an Islamic name. Yeah, it is. But that's not the reason why I use that acronym for my name. James Adams at USA.net. So what I did was to shorten it. And just Jocelyn, that's it. Now, here's the other thing you have to realize too. 
you have a lot of people that feel as though they are not really represented or how can I best say it? In other words, they don't have an identity in society. So you're seeing 60-year-old women, 50-year-old women call themselves heteroflexible, demisexual, pansexual, all of these different designations to remain relevant within the younger generation. And yet, you have a lot of these women in this age range, 40s and up, that really don't look at older men as being useful in any capacity. What they want, a lot of them, is that young, handsome looking guy that looks like Rock Hudson back in the day, or George Clooney or somebody like that, that has the resources and the wealth. As I told you before, and I'll say it again until I leave this earth, you look at the numbers from the IRS, you can Google it and check it out yourselves. Only 20% of the population made over 100K in the years 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 and 22. So what that means is you're dealing with a small demographic for all of you ladies looking for the HBMs, the high value man, Good luck with that. All right, folks, let's talk about the MORE, M-O-R. What that stands for, some women don't know the terminology, it's called man on reserve. What is that guy? Who is he? He's the guy that that woman may have a particular interest in, but she doesn't think that she could keep it. She knows she could probably get it, but she doesn't think she can keep it. He may be more handsome than she is attractive. He may be wealthier than she is, but there's an element that's keeping her from actually wanting to have a relationship with him on a romantic level. But what she wants to do is to hold him in reserve as a man that she could potentially have a relationship with. Now, she wants to be his friend. She's going to have frequent interactions with him. She's not going to, he's not going to be one of those male friends that she may contact once every blue moon or when she needs something. He's going to always be abreast of what she's doing. A couple of things that she will do in that process. She's going to really limit the people she dates. For the most part, she probably won't even date anyone else, but flirt around with a lot of other men, go out on dates with them and that kind of thing. But she's holding this guy in reserve because she wants to get to know him a lot better. So she may go out on dates with other guys and then tell him about the date, tell him how the guy was a jerk, etc., etc. Now, what these poor guys don't realize that she's going out with, she has no intentions of ever having a full-blown relationship with him. And the reason for that is because she's already made a choice because this man has potential. But she doesn't feel as though she measures up, but she still wants to keep him in reserve. So just in case it gets to a point that she feels comfortable with him and confident enough to be with him, she will then go on and pursue him. But she's going to do it in a subtle way. Because what she's going to do is establish that friendship. 
Now here's the catch, fellas. If you have been dissed by a woman, I don't mean a hard diss, but something like, no, you know, I think we should be friends. If she comes out with that in the beginning, and she's contacting you on a regular basis more frequently than she would most male friends. What she's doing now is she's going and putting you under an observation period. This is another way of women trying to implement the 90 day rule. She's not really in a romantic uh, relationship with you. She might want to go to movies with you. Uh, you go, you guys go out and eat pizza together. You go to events together, concerts, that kind of thing. You're like an activity partner with her. But the whole time what she's doing is observing you. She's getting a close-up of you. What she doesn't want to lead on with you is that you've already won her over and she doesn't want to seem desperate. She doesn't want to blow your ego up. But she's already made her choice. And she's going to make sure that the playing field is always clear for you to land. Now, if you were the one to go on and ask her out, ask her for a relationship, she's going to try to play, go through that motion of trying to play like she's got to think about it. She's already made a choice. You're her choice. But what this does for her, it makes her a little bit more at ease and comfortable. So, in essence, what, is she, what she's doing is she's taking her time to get to know you. See, with the rest of the dates, rest of the relationships she's had in the past, it's been a situation where it was a rip and run, where they just go for the relationship first, they worry about the friendship and all that shit on the back end. A woman that's really looking for a relationship, she's going to take her time and develop a friendship with you. Now, here's the difference. Take for instance, you try to go for the woman, and she automatically puts you in the friend zone. And she's not communicating with you unless she needs you for something or just to see how you're doing to make sure you're still alive maybe three or four months down the way. Yeah. You're not the kind of guy that she's interested in on that level. This guy is going to be the one that she's going to constantly keep in contact with. Kind of let him know what she's doing. Oh, you know, I'm going to Miami for the summer. And blah, blah, blah. Maybe you should come down and visit. But she's going to keep it platonic. She's not going to be the woman that's going to tell you, I don't think we should go forward in a relationship because it'll ruin our friendship. That's for the guys that she has no interest in. And fellas, when a woman tells you that, there's no way in hell you're going to ever change her mind because she's already made her decision. A woman makes her decision on a man within 30 seconds of seeing him. Within the first 15 seconds, She's making a yay or nay as far as envisioning, envisioning herself with you. The other 15 seconds, she's making her decision, just like a jury does in a court case. That's going to be yes or no, and it's going to be permanent. It's not going to be something she's going to waver on unless she's indecisive. Indecisive women usually have the hardest road when it comes to dating. And a lot of times they'll lose control of the situation. The man will take over. And a lot of them don't get into a relationship that ends very well for them. You see, the tendency for a lot of women is, of course, when they're young, 
they want to be where the celebrities and the stars are. They want the recognition. They want the attention. And a lot of times they want the best as they see it. Well, the best for many of them is that high value man that's making six figures. The one that they're now promoting all over the internet for women to pursue. It's like a pipe dream. Because after they see how small the percentages are of those quote unquote high value men, when I'm talking only the monetary aspect of it, many of them realize that either they get a fake, such as a gamma male that's trying to act like he's an alpha when he's not. Or an alpha that's really got his shit together, but that alpha that got his shit together is not going to forfeit his notoriety, his reputation, and the clout he has over all the men that are down line trying to be like him. The betas, the deltas, the gammas, the omegas. He's not going to give that up. Because his ego is what has to be fed first. And he fucks his ego up if he gets with a woman and gets taken off the market. He could be an alpha male to the woman that he chooses to be with. But all of his downline peers now are not going to look at, look at him as an alpha anymore. And they're going to move up. That beta that was under him is going to now take his place. Because their true alpha is never going to get married. He's never going to designate one woman as his woman. He's going to have women, not women. And the reason for that is because he's intoxicated by the access he has and the privilege he has. And that's the way it works. Some men will try to go and designate themselves as an alpha just so that they can get the clout and the right. And hopefully they can get the follow. Now, as you know, if you listen to the show, I'm what is called a sigma male. I don't believe in none of that hierarchy shit. But there are a lot of guys that abide by it. Because they benefit from it greatly. Give you a little example. In a corporation, those senior executives, those are the alphas making the decisions. The betas are the vice presidents of operations senior managers that go along with the benefit of the alpha's decision. And I'm just using this in the corporate context and you know many of them are married. And then as it trickles down, you have the Delta male, the customer service manager that is happy the way things are. He doesn't have any aspirations to get into senior management. He's cool with what he has and he's in full support of the betas and the alphas above him. Then you have that gamma male. That gamma male is the guy that's in IT who's making a lot of money, but he wants the recognition of the CEO and the rest of those guys. And so what he decides to do is to go and present himself that way in the social context, but he doesn't have the interpersonal skills. He doesn't have the moxie. He doesn't have the panache or the style or the charisma. And what he uses is a forced type of approach. Meaning that instead of trying to talk to a woman, I will go and spend money on her. And that money I spend on, on her is a substitute of the lack of interpersonal skills I have. 
these guys are usually very transactional with women. These are the guys, ladies, that you will go on dates with, who will feel as though because they paid six hundred, seven hundred dollars for dinner, you owe them some pussy. Those type of guys. Those are the jerks that you're running to most often. Now, what happens with many of the women that try to go for the alpha male, and realize they can't get him, can't win him over, can't isolate him or take him away from that. Lifestyle that he enjoys so well, they get burned out, and they say, "Oh, you know, I'm not dealing with this." And some of them will try to go as that consolation prize to make themselves feel a little bit better. They'll get with one of his betas to make him feel bad. That beta is happy to have that dropping from the alpha, And she's only with him usually just to keep an eye on the alpha, see if she still has another shot at him. And when she doesn't, after she's gone through flaunting herself around with this beta male that was one of his friends or one of his underlings, and she realizes that this beta is not going nowhere, he's just going to only eat the crumbs off the table from this alpha, and the alpha is no longer paying attention to her, then she'll come down to a delta male, somebody who's. Consistent, someone who pays his bills on time, someone who's got a decent job, not making a hell of a lot of money for the most part, or maybe making sixty, seventy thousand a year, but he's stable, emotionally stable, financially stable, and he's not so concerned about all of the pomp and circumstance that goes along with the alphas and the rest. Well, that guy is who she'll be looking for, because she's had volatility with the alpha and the beta. But with the Delta, she has stability. This is what a lot of women look for. This is where 80% of people wind up marrying these kind of people for stable relationships. The Gamma, again, you got to deal with the trauma because the Gamma will go and take a woman. But the problem is with her, what she doesn't realize is that he's going to make her thank him. For everything he does for her increment, because it's a situation where I give, you take, you owe me. That's the way they look at things. And then, carrying a tail end, Charlie is the omega male. The omega male is the guy that a woman can literally tell him what to do. He falls in the simp category. And a lot of these guys wind up being a working joke. Working Joe, as I told you before, is the guy that goes out and busts his ass for this woman, and the woman really doesn't think of him much as being a man. He's an object, a vehicle to sustain a lifestyle. So she may have been working three or four jobs, and she's running up the credit card bills. And he's frustrated because everything she's given him, he has to work for. She'll give herself freely to anybody else, but to him in particular, he's her workhorse. Oh, honey, you know you want your girl to look good. Yeah, I need to go in and set up an appointment for the beauty salon, get my nails done, get a pedicure, take my girlfriends to get my pedicure. You don't want me to look like I'm this woman that doesn't have anything. After all, I'm your woman. She gaslights him with that shit. And he's just happy to have someone that's interested in him, someone that believes in him more than he believes in himself. 
Oh, and this works also the opposite way with women when they deal with men. Now, getting back to the corporate example I was giving you, we stopped when we started talking about the Delta male, that manager, for instance. You have that guy in IT, smart as a whip, but has very limited interpersonal skills. But he wants the recognition of the CEO. He's telling everybody in the company he can do just as good a job as they can. But he doesn't know how to communicate that properly. And he always winds up getting his ass in trouble. Because he doesn't have the clout, the charisma, or the style in order to convince others to believe in him. So again, very transactional person. And then you have the Omegas underneath them. Those are the people that are basically thankful to have a job. They will do anything to keep that job, no matter what it takes. You find these people also finding themselves being betas underneath managers, underneath supervisors. They're the snitches. They're the people that are going to go out there and no matter what, they're the gophers. They're thankful to get any kind of attention or recognition, no matter how small, because it beats what they think of themselves. So you see, you got all these different categories and you ladies have a lot of categories of men to choose from in that sense. And so what this comes down to is the man that you can't control is more than likely going to be an alpha. The man you can control will be an omega. The man that will work with you will be a delta. The insecure man that you will find that will have problems with will be the gamma male. You'll call him the jerk later on. So, fellas, what happens is you being that good guy, that nice guy, you too nice, and that kind of shit that she tells you in her teens and 20s, by the time she's in her 40s, well, she's going to be looking for you. It's just going to be looking for stability after shooting fucked up. Probably had kids by the alpha or maybe one of the betas. Things didn't work out. And now she's realizing she's getting older and she's not as marketable as she used to be. So now she's doing what they do on Star Trek, the Klingons. Yep, she's clinging on. Now, you have some women that actually deathly fear aging. And with this, they're going to try everything possible to stay young. They might get tighter fitting clothes, go to the gym regularly. Make sure they go to the gym so they can be more provocative and have those guys that want to sleep with an older woman there. And then this is boosting their ego, making them feel better. Not realizing that, yeah, the guy's not going to be with you long term. He just want to be with you just to see what it's like to fuck you. And then you're back at square one again. And some women just go for the attention. They don't necessarily want the interaction with the man because they might not be able to hold his attention. But they just want to get his attention, but not keep it. Oh, you have those too. Now, 
what you'll find with women a lot of times, those that are going out with the girlfriends on girls' night out, that kind of thing, and love to have the luxury of saying they're married, but they're flattered by all these guys that are trying to talk to them. It's because a lot of times they're not getting the attention at home. That woman who has a good marriage, good relationship, is confident. She'll be the first to tell the man, oh, you know, thank you so much for the compliment. I'm happily married with my husband. But my girlfriend here is divorced or she's single. In other words, what she's doing is she's letting her know, letting the guy know, I love my man. You can't compete. My man knows me better than you will ever know me. And there's not a chance in hell you're going to get into my heart because someone's already there. That's integrity. Doing the right thing when your man is not there. That woman that gets up and says, oh, you know, um, it's okay, I guess we can dance. And then she opens up a little bit more and you find out there's some other underlying problems. Or that woman who's lying to you and tell you that she's single when she's actually married. She wants to distance herself from her marriage. And so Girls Night Out may be the venue to do it. It depends on the woman. Again, ladies, men look for integrity and trust as two main functional characteristics and accountability. As I told you before, you can look on any profile, you'll see the word honesty that a woman is looking for. But mighty funny, as I tell you, you rarely see that in their profile describing themselves as honest. What they usually want is someone to be more honest than they are. That's just the thing. Because a lot of women look at men as being liars because they've been lied to a lot by men. But now who causes that problem? That problem is caused by other women. They're caused by other women who want men to lie to them. Now, why do these other women want men to lie to them? Because they want to feel better than they felt before. Hmm. Now, they don't come out and just ask the man to lie to them. But they know when the guy is giving them some exaggerated compliment, they know it's a lie. But the reason why they want to hear it is because they probably haven't been told anything nice or positive in a long time. And so they accept it. And it gives guys the misconception that they can use that on any woman. And that works on someone. But a confident woman? Nope. Mm-mm. She'll tell you straight up. Thanks for the compliment, but I don't think I'm all that. I may be fine. I may have a nice ass and nice breast. But, uh, you know, there's more to me than that. And then she wants to carry on a conversation with you. Because at that point, 
She want to find out whether it's live or Memorex. Now, there are other women out there who literally want somebody else to take the wheel. They're already conditioned to be submissive and passive because they've gotten into a relationship where the husband is very domineering. So they're accustomed to that. So a nice guy comes along, she's not interested. The reason why she's not interested is because she, taking a view of her husband or a man, looks at him as being weak. But another guy can come in there who's a little bit more domineering. And oh, she's all over him. But see, here's the problem for you men who date women like this. Those submissive types, they can be conquered by any man that has some of the characteristics you have. So, she's accustomed to being obsequious or very servantile, whether it's with you or whomever. Whoever is the stronger party, that's what she'll yield to. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, and that's what she does. Now, a lot of women like to compare themselves to Cleopatra. I hear this a lot. Some of you have written in talking about, I'm a queen like Cleopatra. Well, ladies, I don't think if you really know the true history of Cleopatra, you'd want that. After all, she has slept with her relatives. I think her brother and a cousin of hers. She had a baby by Mark Anthony. And she slept with Caesar. So, yeah, she's got a little, I mean, not Mark Anthony, but Caesar, she had a child by. And so, naturally, that's not a good example. But you're looking for, you're looking at people that want to find an identity. Now, this is a determining factor for some men because they look at the woman and they're saying, damn, Okay, you don't have a sense of self. I can give you that sense of self since you don't have it. And these are the very women that go into these marriages and relationships, letting the man take, have control in the beginning, and then thinking that that's love when actually it's insecurity on his part to control you. His security is actually controlling you. Oh, and women do this to men too. Well, here's the distinction. With that control, he can set what he considers respect. And you get a spoiled man that has grown up and nobody's told him no and his parents never told him no. And the people he hangs around, all of his buddies and cronies, those beta males are passive and they never told him no. He looks at no as a term of disrespect. You find this a lot with gamma males, mainly. How the hell are you gonna tell me no and I paid you six, $600 for your dinner? And you gonna tell me no about no sex? Are you crazy? 
That's what they look at. It's just like they bought a new car. They expect for everything to work and they expect you to be the customer service department. Some of you are in marriages where you can't even speak up for yourself, both men and women. Here's a partner cuts you down. Some of you guys have written in about how you can't even emote with your wife or girlfriend. Can't tell her how you really feel about things because it starts an argument or she calls you weak or she says you're a simp or she calls you some other derogatory name in order to embarrass you. Or she becomes condescending. Or you wind up like a guy that wound up with the lady he was married to who got pregnant by another man. Came home and told him, it's not your baby. Did that to humiliate him. Went out, got with another man, started seeing him, sleeping with him, got pregnant by him. Then comes home and props her feet up and says, uh, mm-hmm, and I'm gonna have this baby. You know, there was a lady that wrote in about how you don't need respect in a relationship for it to function. And the respect you do give is the time allotted for that man just to be with her. Yes, she actually lived by that philosophy. The way she looked at it, it was okay for her to be with other men. Whether her husband knew it or didn't know it, it was none of his business. Because see, what you'll have is some women are out there who want the autonomy. They don't want the full accountability or responsibility of a relationship. And this is where it comes into conflict with that one element I told you about equality. There's some women that genuinely want that in a relationship and there are others that want it under conditions. And there are others that don't want it at all, even though they may carry the banner of equality into the relationship. In other words, they still want to be unaccountable they still don't want a monogamous relationship per se, but they want the man to stay monogamous. And they feel as though they're better stewards of morality than their man is. And of course you have guys that think the same way too. So there are always exceptions if they get caught cheating. But if their partner cheats, then there are no exceptions. They've fallen short. As I told you before, folks, the one word that most people fear in relationships is that word called inadequacy. That hurt feelings more than anything else. A partner tells you you're inadequate for them. We'll talk more in a minute. Inadequacy implies that in some ways you were deficient when it comes down to maybe meeting expectations or honoring a commitment or some other endeavor that you were supposed to measure up to. It could be a standard. Now, 
What happens usually when we first start out with relationships? We start at ground zero. We're getting a chance to know each other, right? So we start texting each other, talking to each other, and we try to go, of course, try to market ourselves to that person to make ourselves a little bit more presentable to them, a little bit more desirable. So expectations are set at ground zero. And then you start to go down the runway. Going down the runway is basically you're chatting online, you're talking to them on the phone, setting up for the first date. The first date is the takeoff. Now that's the most vulnerable and crucial period, especially when you're flying, right? You don't want anything to go wrong during takeoffs. Takeoffs and landings are very, very important. So when it comes down to a takeoff, you're expecting to get to a certain altitude in a plane. On most jets, it's about, what, 38,000 feet? Now, at 38,000 feet, metaphorically, you're what? You're at 28,000 feet above breathable air, where the cabin doesn't have to be uh, compressed, where you could actually breathe naturally through the air. The air is thinner as you go higher in the air. Harder to breathe. You have to worry about epoxia, so the cabin has to be pressurized in order to compensate so you don't pass out. Now, here's the thing. We'll say you get to that cruising altitude of 38,000 feet. When you meet that person, that means you have built that expectation up that high. And you are now soaring. You exchange information about the job. You exchange information about your likes and dislikes, your interests, your hobbies. All of this other stuff has already been established. Now, on the first date, what you're trying to do is to see whether or not that person can maintain that altitude according to everything that they've disclosed to you. Now, when a person is catfished, guess what happens? There's turbulence. That means that there's something that's an anomaly in what was presented and it's going to impact the expectations. So now you find out, oh, damn, you know, this person's not who they said they were as far as physically. What do you start doing? You start dropping altitude a bit. In a plane, it would be the equivalent of, well, you know, we're going to come down a few thousand feet because uh, we run into some problems here. Now, with that, you're hoping that you're going to level off. We'll say you come from 38,000 feet down to 35,000 feet. You've been catfish. All right, now, okay, you're making the adjustment. And you're trying to figure out, metaphorically, what's going on? Why is the plane having to lower its altitude? The question you'd be asking on a date is, you're trying to find out why did this person catfish you? Then the person tells you that, well, you know, I told you I had a job, but I'm in the process of looking for work. Guess what happens again? 
your plane is losing some more altitude, so you go down about 2,000 feet. And you're saying to yourself, okay, damn, down, now we're down to what, 33,000 feet. As they start to disclose more things that contradict what they had presented at first, you're gradually losing altitude. That means that the relationship now, the expectations have been lowered. And you're still trying to hang in there and you're like, well, you know, at least we're coming down and hopefully we won't crash or we won't go down too low. So there are some more revelations that are maybe made. You might have uh, talked to them and they don't smoke supposedly online. And then you find out that they go in their little break room. They go to the bathroom and they might slip outside and smoke a cigarette. And you catch them smoking a cigarette. When they said they didn't smoke on their profile. Now what has happened? You dropped another 2,000 feet. So now you're down to 31,000 feet. And you're forgiving them. They say, well, you know, I'm trying to quit smoking. Okay. So you go on with the date and everything. And now you're realizing, okay, I'm at 31,000 feet with this person. And let's say that that's the last um, drop that you have an altitude. So you got to remember, you're relationship now is at 31,000 feet metaphorically. Expectation was at 38, you had to drop down to 31. What I'm getting at folks is this is what happens when you meet someone for the first time. They will start out and present themselves a certain way and then they will delineate. What a lot of people look for is consistency. They want to stay at that 30,000, 38,000 feet altitude the whole time. That person that's delineating down to 31,000 feet, metaphorically, you still have the juries out on that person as to whether or not you're gonna ask them for a commitment, maybe ask them for a second date or even give them a second date. Because you're like, well, wait a minute now. We're losing altitude. Is there anything else that could possibly come up? Well, you find out they have a bad credit score. You find out that it will be more than a liability if you were to take them on. And so now you drop from 33,000 feet, I mean 31,000 feet, and now you're down at 28,000. And let's say the, end, the date ends on that note at 28,000 feet. You're still thinking about whether or not you're going to be with this person. You've gone on your next date. You get up to 38,000 feet, and now you're at about maybe 35 when the date's over with. You go on another date, and you find yourself at 38,000 feet, and you drop down to 37, and that's the end of the date at 37. Well, you'll take the person at 37 over the person that dropped down to 28,000 feet, and the one that's below that, the one that's just above that one. The reason being is that you're looking at which would be the less risk to take with that individual. Because you also have to keep in mind that there's also the X factor. And like I've always told you before, we got to look at certain characteristics that we have to go by here. 
the first, of course, we have to look at the character of the person is linked to the behavior of the individual, which is linked to the situation you find them in, which is linked to the results that they're contending with when you meet them. Then you will have another component called the X factor. The X factor is the thing that that person is not ready to disclose to you yet because it may be rather devastating. It might be insignificant. It may be something that whatever it is, is something that you don't know that could impact the relationship. Now, a person that has full disclosure and tells you everything, guess what? The altitude would not drop. I went out with a lady one time. This woman had all kinds of traffic warrants and everything. And she insisted on driving her car that night. And I said, no, we could drive mine. My car was licensed and everything was up to date. It was a Mercedes. She was like, no, 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 we'll, we'll take my car. I got pulled over. Her tags had expired. They asked me for my driver's license, gave it to them, everything checked out. Being that she was registered on the vehicle, she showed them her driver's license. They came back and said, ma'am, we have to get out of the vehicle. Damn, what's going on there? I'm already out of the car talking to the cop. I see female officer put cuffs on her. She had all kinds of warrants. Why she wanted me to drive her car, I don't know. Maybe she wanted to get caught that way. I guess she thought that in some kind of way I was going to try to clear things up for her. Nothing to do. They took her ass off the jail. I wasn't bailing her out. But will. Damn glove box full of nothing but citations. Whole time. You're going to pay my bill. You're going to get me out. I ain't doing shit. No, no, your ass is stuck. I got to get a ride home because they were going to tow your car. But she did. Cops were nice enough to give me a ride back to her place. I get in my car. That was, what, the second time I've been in a police car. First time a car broke down on the side of the damn five freeway. I was patrol gave me a ride off the freeway. I was driving a 1979 Oldsmobile Delta 98. That car was a piece of shit. <laughs> but that was it. Never been locked up. But one thing to keep in mind, when you're dealing with somebody doesn't quite have it all together and you realize it limit your interaction with them because there's a good possibility they'll pull you down in the mire that they're in not that you're better than they are you made better life choices than they did PLCs are one thing that you will find to be a detriment to relationships poor life choices and some people make them consistently not just one. I'll be several of them. It'll be a series of them. 
So when you meet a person and the end result is, yeah, I got to go to court for this. Yeah, I got, well, I got bailed out for that. And you say, okay, now wait a minute now. And then you realize they went from one situation into another situation, into another situation, into another situation. It's like, shit. And then you start looking at the pattern of behavior. And then you got to look at the character of the person. That gives you a daisy chain to where they are and how they got there. Just got to be careful. I was chatting with one lady that I met online and she said, well, something I need to tell you right now. Um, I'm a very jealous woman. I said, oh, okay, well, that's not, that's going to be a non-starter for us because I have a female listening audience and I still have friendships, platonic friendships with my ex-girlfriends. Some of them are married. I know their husbands. Others of them are still in touch, but nothing as far as the relationship. We had our reasons to break up. We don't have our reasons to be back together. And then she says, well, I might as well tell you this. I shot my last boyfriend. I had to do 10 years for attempted murder. Click. No more conversation. And of course, they get pissed off. She tried calling back several times. Not interested. Not interested. NMP, not my problem. And you have to be able to make those decisions. And those people don't want to be judged. But you have to judge. Make a judgment every time we decide what job we're going to take, where we're going to live. Whether we're going to cash our check or hang on to it. All of these are judgments that we make. Those judgments are based on decisions, just like in a court system. So don't feel ashamed when someone says, oh, you're judging me. You're damn straight because I'm judging you in order to protect my best interests. Now, my judgment is not a condemnation of you as a person. But it's a condemnation of me getting into a relationship with you and putting my standards and values in jeopardy and boundaries for the benefit of being with you. Big difference. See, the problem is when you go into a relationship and you're too emotional, you lose out on the logic. You don't have to overthink, you don't have to overanalyze, but you do have to be objective. And there's a difference. And what I would usually get from people that were really into the touchy-feely, mindset oh you're just you're just judgmental you're just this oh, no no <laughs> you're overanalyzing thing no I'm not I, I see I'm not overanalyzing because of the way you fucked your life up I'm trying to avoid what you've done to yourself that's the distinction so if I'm overanalyzing I'd rather overanalyze an error as I have with fewer mistakes than you have made than to go and capitulate and be with you and fuck my life up like you have with what you're doing. You have to put it in that context. 
You know, it's one thing that I learned from a prostitute years ago that I knew in Los Angeles. She was uh, one of these madams that guys would call it. This woman had money loaded, attractive as hell. And I met her at Love's Restaurant right there on Sunset in Los Angeles, Hollywood. I met her through a friend of mine, Charmaine, that I got to know later. And Charmaine was with her during that night. I was sitting there by myself and they asked me to come over and we started eating together. And so I went to pay for the bill. I was gonna pay for everybody. Old girl said, uh-uh. This woman was gorgeous, drop dead gorgeous. Business suit to whole nine. She goes in that damn tote bag and opens up that purse. I'm seeing nothing but wads of hundreds bound in rubber bands. I think the bill was something like two something. She left like $400. I'm like, damn. So got to talk to her. She said, no, 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 I'm a call girl. And we stand out there waiting for the ballet. This convertible Excalibur pulls up. That was her car. Learned a lot from that woman. We never slept together, never dated. And she told me, she said, one thing you're going to learn about women, she said, because I am one. She said, you're going to learn that they're different calibers of women. And if you treat them all the same, you're going to always lose as a man. She says, I benefit from men because all of those men treat me the same way. They think they got to pay more than the next guy in order to keep me. And I really thought about what she said. She didn't get rich through osmosis. She always fostered competition against men. One man against the other. You learn these things. This is the kind of stuff those dating coaches don't teach you. This is the kind of stuff that the only way you learn about it is through the real life experience. Now here's the thing that was funny. Two years after I met that woman, she retired. She was like 40. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go buy me a house in Orange County and I'm going to enjoy life and look for me a husband. I wasn't mad at her. And she found a wealthy man and they went on with their lives. You know, people have different roads and paths that they take in life. And you have to also choose not only the person, but also the situation associated with them to see whether or not there's something you can stomach. Along with the behavior, along with the character of the person, the morals of the person. You got to take all of that into consideration and not just get stuck on the shiny metal objects of how much money they make or how good they look. That's going to be very important. Very important. 
And one reason why I liked being out there on the single scene for so long, all those years, and it was a lifestyle choice of my own. It wasn't something where I couldn't find anybody or I was desperate. I enjoyed meeting new women, meeting new people. And as you met these people, you start building constituencies. Then you'd have one lady would call you, hey, uh, how much do they pay you at so-and-so where you're working? I'm getting this amount. You know what? I'll get you more than that if you want it. It was that kind of constituency, that kind of camaraderie. And this is the way you had to work. And you had certain advantages other people wouldn't have. So you'll be dealing with that. Now there's some of you ladies out there that are fixated on a certain type of guy or a certain guy. And you're willing to accept anything he's getting ready to put out there to you. And a lot of you ladies do this in your prime. And then if you make a bad choice, then around in your late 30s, mid 30s, or early 40s, you want to now make a better choice. And you find it difficult sometimes to find that guy that would be pristine and interested in you like you had when you were in your 20s. Well, the one thing the guy's going to look at, believe it or not, they're going to look at your track record. They're going to look at your history, just like a credit report. You come in with all the demands you want and all the standards you want. You can raise them damn standards so high until a B-52 bomber can't get over. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I can't tell you over the years how many women told me they were I'm independently single because no man can measure up to my standards. No, nobody wants your ass. That's the reason why you are independently single. And you'll see these women show up at the mixers, talking shit, laughing, going home alone, saying, Then you go to certain events. They're trying to talk to the guy and the guy doesn't want to have anything to do with them because they've already slept with them before. He has no interest in them. And you know, you'll hear this old proverbial refrain. There are no good men out there. Well, you have to be a good woman to be with a good man, wouldn't you? Quality knows quality. And bullshit knows bullshit. And then after you've been through this whole thing over time, because nothing changes on the dating scene, folks. The only thing that's changed between the time I first started and now is that you can go and talk to people on the internet. You can go and choose people on the internet. Back then, you had to meet them face to face. Very little catfishing, a lot of stand-ups. Because if a person was talking shit over the phone and then didn't show up at the date, you already knew what you were dealing with. Now they could bullshit you all the way through. Just want to chat with you only. That's the reason why I tell you, 
You meet somebody online, you need to have a face-to-face. Some of you send gifts and money to people you never met, never saw before. Then never hear from them again. And you're heartbroken because they ghosted you. Ghosting is the new stand-up now. They don't even think enough of seeing you, meeting you. It's how irrelevant you are to them. So naturally, if they don't hold you in any regard, less than they're going to do is hold you in high regard. And that's how they get away with it. Now, you're going to have name droppers, label droppers, people telling you who they used to date, uh, how they were this with this celebrity and all of that shit. All of that's trying to impress you, supposedly. But you have to ask yourselves, okay, that says a lot for what that person did, but what did you do for yourself? Where's your claim to fame? You're giving me all of the attributes of someone else. So what are you saying? They're supposed to rub on you and magically you're supposed to be on the same level as that person. Well, I just saw that person in a motion picture recently. I just saw that person drop an album recently. Your name was nowhere around. I saw them on the red carpet. You weren't with them. So you have to put things in perspective because a lot of people are searching for an identity, recognition, attention. The attention they didn't get as children, the attention they didn't get in relationships and marriages. That inadequacy. Some women try to control men with the inadequacy in the bedroom. What is usually a woman says when things don't work out in a relationship? Oh, he has a little dick. First thing, they weren't saying that when the dick was in their mouth or inside them, were they? No. Only when things go bad. It happens. You know, the one thing to keep in mind too, as I've always told you on this as well. There are going to be people with emotional trauma where they're trying to still process things and they think some way, somehow, that a relationship is going to cure that. They need to do the work on themselves before they talk about doing the work in a relationship. And a lot of people don't like doing that. So, fellas, if you run across a lady and she's been married for a considerable amount of time and she's now kind of uh, getting her feet wet back out to dating again, it's because she's done a lot of work on herself. So you want to take your time. Get to know her. Most women that have already been in long-term relationships or married for a long time, usually that's what they would prefer. A lot of them don't trust their judgment if they've made a bad mistake and chose the wrong guy. And then they beat themselves up and punish themselves by not wanting to get serious. 
someone else because they don't want to go through the pain again. And in some cases, when they don't trust their judgment, they'll let family members, girlfriends, and other friends make the decision for them as far as who to date. In some cases, they will even let the man choose who, whether or not he wants to be with them. Because they have no vote of confidence in their own judgment. And there's some men that are like that. They become cynical. Oh, all these men are all these men are dogs. The guys will say, all these women are hoes. Well, you're gonna get what you expect. Because that's what you're looking for. By the very words you speak. Well, folks, I'm gonna shut it down. And I'll be talking to you on tomorrow. Now, uh, we're going to experiment with a couple of things because what I'm doing is a daily show with the podcast. We're still going to continue the daily show. And what I'm going to try to do is pre-produce uh, more shows in advance. In the month of April, I was done with April around the ninth of the month. I was done with the whole month. I had to add a few things on. But what we're going to try to do is I'm going to try to see if I can make it more of a daily show where we are actually producing on. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.